Welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast, where you'll learn how to structure terms and use various creative financing strategies to create profitable deals for short and long-term wealth. Whether you're a buy and hold investor, wholesaler, or flipper, learning creative financing will help you do more deals and unlock profits that you may not even know existed. On the Creative Financing Podcast, we break down actual deals we and our guests are doing and simplify the methods and terms used to execute these strategies. Now, let's dive in and create some terms. Hello and welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Gallegos, here with... Jeff Rappaport. And today, guys, we're going to be talking about when to let a lead go or what kills a deal. Um, but before we jump into that, I just I wanted to uh, read a message that uh, that uh, I got on Facebook um, from uh, Mike Rainhurk. And I hope I got that right, Mike, if you're listening. But uh, he said, hey, Jonathan, just wanted to reach out and say thank you. You guys have put together the best podcast out there. I was in anesthesia school for the last three years and waiting for my opportunity to start marketing for deals. I just started this week and have made two creative financing offers in Philadelphia area using the education I received from your podcast. Luckily, I was a math major uh, in undergrad, so all the education from Jeff is right up my alley. I have not gotten a deal yet, but I'm excited to be in the game and hope to have a deal soon. That's great. Yeah. Yes. Thanks, Mike. Um, we greatly appreciate you reaching out. Uh, and I wanted to give you a shout out on the, on the podcast personally. Um, thank you for the feedback. Uh, it really it helps us, helps, keeps us motivated. Um, because, you know, so far this has just been a love project. We've done this out of the love. Uh, I can't believe we're still going. Uh, I thought this would be like three episodes and we'd be done. <laughs> so we're still going and, you know, we don't get paid for this. Um, we actually pay to do this, I guess. But uh, so thanks for that. Um, without further ado, let's jump in, Jeff. Well, can I, can I mention too that someone else called in, Brandon from Washington State. And one of the things that he said that really struck a chord with me was that he's taken a creative financing course that he paid for, and he mentioned in his message that he wished that they had covered the content that we cover in our podcast. That that means a lot to me uh, yeah. that we're we're teaching quality stuff and and we're doing it for free. And then we got to find out what he paid for his education. And <laughs> we'll charge him just a little less. I'll probably talk to him in the next day. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's, that's um, what a compliment, right? What a compliment. Someone that takes a creative financing course and then they listen to our podcast and they're like, wow, this, it's not even the same. So thank you for that, Jeff, because um, really you've, you've done this for a long time. Um, and I think you're really good about, um, you know, breaking things down uh, into simple, understandable terms. Um, and component parts, right? Um, and our our podcast is definitely education based. It's more of a mentorship. That kind of what that's really what uh, makes us stand out um, from other podcasts because it's not just us interviewing uh, guests or um, just chatting about our last deal or some strategy. Like you're teaching me how to do this, and this is just the same as you teaching our audience or our listeners. So, all right, well. 
Thanks. My, my question to you, Jonathan, is that we're like, I'm not sure how many episodes in 75 or so now. 70, and we've covered 77, I think. 77. 77. It, does this help? Has this uh, helped you in terms of your education and yes, uh, understanding? Okay, yeah. Good. yeah, a year ago, um, see, I, I feel confident that I can put offers together now. And a year ago, I did not. I did not feel confident. So for sure. And I'm going to um, start to move into like the commercial space. I want to start marketing for mobile home parks actually. Mm -hmm. um, and this is going to be really, really valuable in that space. Um, you know, especially if I find some mom and pop park where um, they don't have any books, right. Um, they don't have a, a P and L. Um, and so it's going to be, it's going to be almost impossible to get, financing from a bank right from a traditional source um so this is going to be this is going to be huge for me in my future and i know that um that's why i've always tried to learn as much as i can and um from you jeff and and, and just uh just you know be around you as much as i can i guess to kind of soak up all of that knowledge well i'm looking forward and we can analyze some of your leads and uh put together deals on our show so That'd be get awesome. to it That'd be awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, without further ado, let's uh, jump into it then. Um, so when, when do we let a lead go? What, what kills the deal, Jeff? On our last episode, we talked a little bit about trying to figure out while we're putting together offers, who may be our buyer that that'll help us kind of structure our deals fairly quickly so that we can, Hey, we, we already know there's not enough equity. We can't uh, cash offers probably not going to work here. So rehabbers probably out of the question. Uh, if there's not enough cash flow or if we can't create enough cash flow, then uh, landlord is probably out of the question. Right. So what I thought we would do is you always have a choice. You can make an offer on every lead that you get. Right. I mean, you can, uh, they may not be good offers and you may spend time on them that maybe would be better spent somewhere else. The way I look at it is I want to try to make offers on as many properties as I can, but there are deal killers. There are things about a deal that will not allow it to work or at least work the way that I would like it to work. <laughs> and what I wanted to do is go over those so that you can start to recognize when these things become, when they start coming up, that either you've got to work hard to try to negotiate them or you've got to walk and move on. Uh, yeah. I don't want to see people chasing. Just because someone said I'm open to terms doesn't make it even a lead. Uh, it makes it a lead initially, but as we gather more information, you know, how likely is it to become a deal? And there are some things that will kill the deal. And what I thought was we would go over that, some of the things that I see very quickly and determine whether I'm even going to get involved or not. And hopefully that'll help our audience. And then we'll go through some examples. So I'll show you why some of these just won't work the way that you know, we were hoping they might. Okay, cool. Okay. Let's start with that. Then what's, what's those things that you see right up front that, well, let, let me start by asking you a question, Jonathan, 
if you're looking for a rehab, what's the number one deal killer for you? Um, how, what, if they owe a ton of money on it or what they're asking. It's the ask price, them. right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> if the price is too high, you can't buy it. Yeah, if there's no equity, yeah. Right. So it's the price. And th that's a quick way for you to weed out um, the people that potentially you can work with and the people that you can't. Right. Would you make offers on a property that, let's say, is worth uh, 400000 uh, that they want 380 for? Would you make no. an offer? Not if I was flipping it, no. Mm -mm. Even if they had enough equity? Even if the property was free and clear? No, because they want... I mean, I would try to make a creative financing offer, but um, I mean, three eighty. If I if I'm flipping the house, no, it's not going to. We're not even close. Right? So you have a criteria, sort of, yeah. You know, whether it's actually, yeah, you know, and maybe maybe you would make that offer if uh, through your conversation with the seller, they told you, hey, my house needs all this updating, and you know, we've been trying to get three eighty, but. You know, maybe we'd have some flexibility, but mm -hmm. I also know as a cash offer, you're going to be significantly less than where they are. Right. Even right. if they were, even if you thought it needs 30, 40,000 and they were at 360, mm -hmm. uh, you're still significantly less. And in their mind, Hey, if you go put in the 40 grand, you know, now the house is great. And so we should get that amount. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, but, but at some point you have to decide. Hey, will I just make an offer no matter what, and just keep throwing out offers and you know see what sticks, or am I just going to deal with the leads that make the most amount of sense, uh, at least the best opportunity to get a deal? And that's going to be a personal preference, but yeah, I like to I like to save my time. Yeah, and it's a judgment call too, you know. Yeah. So the first thing that I would tell you is price is too high. Yeah. Price. And, and creative financing will help deal with some of that. But I, I don't know about you, but are, are you seeing some people asking like ridiculous amounts for their property? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, not like five grand over what it's worth, but 25, 50 uh, hundred thousand. Uh, yeah, we talked about a duplex. Uh, I think it was last episode that he is asking at least one hundred and twenty thousand dollars more than what it's truly worth, and uh, we can't overcome that. And I don't want to. Uh, why do I want to to try to convince the seller? You're crazy. That you're you're out of your mind. Um, uh, you're never getting that. And. You should drop your price by two hundred thousand, and well, we should get into the game. Yeah. Or I could just make an offer and see what happens, right? Um, but to me, for someone that's that's asking that much more, move on. I, I'm I'm done. I, I don't need to to try to get involved in that. Yeah, yeah. So what what is a price that's too high for me? Well, just in general, if we're trying to use terms. Uh, you know, if someone's asking. So if the, if the payment's going to be more than you can receive in rent, if, if, if you get it on financing, whether it's free and clear or there's underlying debt, um, if that is more than um, what the so rent. You're getting ahead of us. So we're just talking price now. So what's, 
what's a price that's too high? In terms of um, rental property? No, just in general. So if someone calls you, you know, you've done some marketing, you're generating a lead, and someone calls you and says, hey, I'd like to sell my house. I think my house is worth four hundred thousand. Um, you know, what's too high that would be like, no, um, I'm done. Would it be four hundred? It might be, depending on you know the condition. Yeah, it, it might be three ninety. Might be too high because of the condition. Uh -huh. Or twenty. Uh, yeah, my my favorite thing when a seller tells you, yeah, I think my house is worth four hundred, but I want four twenty for it. Uh -huh. <laughs> which is happening these days, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's kind of funny. Uh, it's like, why would I pay 420 if you really so, think the house is only worth 400? Market value is too high yeah. for an investor. I mean, you yeah. should, even, even on terms, I mean, you're still trying to get a discount um, and you make your money when you buy. So market, market price is too high. And, it, and then, you know, it just depends on a lot of factors from there, right? Um, right and what your strategy is so to me i don't want once i run our market analysis once we do some comps and we get an idea of what the value is is i i want i don't want to be above market value on my offer right so if i truly find out hey that the after repaired value is four hundred thousand, uh i don't really want to start offering if the seller is asking 415, I'm probably coming down to 400. And, mm -hmm. and to be honest, even at 400, it, it is the top, top of the, the market. Now, could I make, I mean, in some cases, I could make a creative financing offer where price doesn't really matter. Uh, mm -hmm. So you want 415? Here's how I can get you 415. Uh, you might not like the terms, but this is the way I can get you that that price. Uh, you know, there's a saying, your price, my terms, my price, your terms. And really the difference is you want cash and you want to close quick, then we got to go with my price. Right. If you want your price, then we got to structure some terms that are going to work for us. Right. So very judgmental here, but you've got to draw the line at some point and there's going to be a number of factors that come into it. Uh, I can tell you that I just made an offer on a property that uh, it's probably worth, they had it on the market. They had it listed for 440 something, 445 maybe. Mm -hmm. And they dropped the price. It didn't sell and they dropped the price to I think 420 and they said they'd take 418. I offered them 418. And the reason why is because the rest of the terms are workable for us. And uh, it would be, my buyer would be an owner occupant. Uh, there's no, could a landlord come in and surprise me? Sometimes they do, but uh, this is retail. The house is in retail ready condition. Yeah, uh, this is prime for an owner occupant. Right. So that's how I deal with price is that it's something that can wreck the deal and you've got to make a judgment call. Maybe you're not paying. Maybe you, hey, straight, I need a 5, 10, 15% discount off of mm -hmm. whatever the value of the home is. So that's just the way it is. Right. Um, that's a business decision each and every investor's got to make. Mm-hmm. 
How about the down payment? Down payment is another thing, yeah. Down payment's kind of crucial. That far more crucial to me than the price. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. If someone asked for, yeah, I'll do creative financing with you. I, I'd be willing to accept terms. However, I want 25% down. Yeah, it's too much. Deal killer. Yeah. Deal killer. It is imperative for, based on what we are trying to do that we get in light. Yeah. And, yeah. and light, we talk about that. But light is kind of relative because depending on the type of property, to me, it might be zero down to maybe as high as around that 10% down. Yeah. Uh, you start getting a little more, you know, the 12, 13, 15% down. I think you're, if you're buying the property for yourself and the rest of the terms make sense and you've got that cash, I can see that, that that would be understandable. If we're trying to wholesale and uh, move this property based on what other investors are going to want, maybe not so much. And yeah. so we, we've got to be careful on the down payment. Right. So if the seller says, yeah, the only way I'm doing it is if I get $100,000 down on my $400,000 house, uh, we better figure out either, is there another way to accomplish this? Is there a way to negotiate this down or pass? Right, right. Because even though they may say that they're open to terms, those terms don't work for us. Yeah. And the only thing with with big down payments that we've talked about before, if, if, a, if a seller needs a big down payment, um, we talk about, you know, seller subordination, right? That that's where that's, we would have to go. Yeah. That's the only, so either you negotiate that down or they do a seller subordination where they take second position. And, and, you can and seller subordination may not work depending on the underlying debt yeah. and, and yeah. what the, the income would be and what you could borrow that money for. But you're right. That's probably the only way that we can approach getting them that kind of down payment. We yeah. can't do it as a wrap. Uh, it, we would just be into it too much mm -hmm. where we've got to try to recover all that money plus some. Mm -hmm. So are we now looking on the market for someone that's going to put down 30%, 35%? I mean, you're looking for the needle in the haystack now. Yeah, yeah it's going to be, it's going to be very, very difficult. Okay. Okay. Number three, underlying payment is too high. We haven't dealt a lot with this, although we, we have talked about how it will affect like a rental property in terms of cash flow. Yeah. But I, I remember looking at a lead just the other day. Uh, let's see, what was the, I think they owed three, I, I think they owed 260,000, I think the house was worth like three and their payment was like 20, almost $2,200 a month. And I just didn't see how I'm going to get that payment covered, mm -hmm. uh, even by an owner occupant. And uh, it certainly wasn't gonna work as a rental. There was gonna be zero cash flow, a negative cash flow. It wasn't gonna work for a rehabber. Uh, and now my last resort is, hey, will it work for an owner-occupant? And no, I, I don't, even owner-occupants, and I know people that can get 5%, 6%, you know, even 7 8% interest, but that's not how I conduct business. I, I want to make 
my deal as attractive as possible to the masses. I want to be able to move my property in a hurry. So I, I want my interest rate to be within a point, point and a half of what the going interest rates are. So even though interest rates might be a little less than four right now, I really wouldn't want to start trying to sell a property for much more than five. Uh, right. And it, to, to get this payment covered, it, it, you would be higher than that. And uh, so underlying payment can make a big difference. Yeah, definitely. You know, that's kind of what I was jumping into earlier when you. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, and we'll look at a couple of examples of that in just a second. Okay. Uh, how about seller not willing to give you a long enough term? Yeah, that's always a, that's always an issue, especially if it's going to be like a rental property. Um, if you're selling it um, to a landlord or you're buying it for yourself. And long enough term is kind of relative, right? Uh, a, a long enough term for me right off the bat is I want a minimum of three years. Yeah. Now, if we were doing like a short term financing offer for a rehab, obviously that's a little different. That might be as little as five months, might be you know, five months to a year kind of thing. Yeah, I think it. Uh, I think the minimum has to be on a short term is six months. And you're probably right. But uh, maybe it's a wholesale deal where literally it, it, you have it cleaned up in a week and on the market and it, you probably don't need that long term. Yeah, but yeah. in general, I want yeah, maybe land. Land might be shorter just because, hey, uh, I need to get a certain amount of things done and then I'm either going to sell it or I'm going to move into a construction loan that's going to cash out the financing. So I might not need as long of a term, but if we're talking single family, multifamily, commercial, I typically want three years minimum. Mm -hmm. I might look at two years if the deal was you know, super solid. Mm -hmm. But what if you know, there are times where uh, we have a property right now that we have a three and a half year term and the property's not selling. Uh, so I've already gone back to the seller and said, we need a longer term. And uh, what the longer term gets us is people don't have that pressure to refinance as early. So if you're worried about the market shifting and going into a recession and maybe not being able to find financing, the longer term gives you a little more assurance that it, you'll be able to, to deal with whatever comes. Yeah. A little more stamina to stick yeah. out. Plus, yeah, it's important what the balloon payment will be. And uh, this property is a commercial property. So you might only be able to finance maybe 75% of the value of it rather than, you know, more residential, like 80%. So sometimes we need more time to get that number down. So when it comes time to refinance, you don't have to bring money to the table to to fit into this loan. That's not the goal is to to get in at a reasonable light, hopefully amount, and then not have to bring any more money to the table. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And then the last one, and there's others, but th these are the main ones, and these are the ones that stick out to me is. Yeah the property needs too much work. And again, what this means is that, so if it's a rehab, 
what's too much work. I mean, if it's a teardown, then, you know, it's probably too much work. Yeah. But I'm talking based on what we're trying to accomplish, uh, the property may need too much work. And we're going to do a whole episode, of probably our next one, on how to look at repairs and, uh, and how they may fit into different kinds of deal structuring. Uh, someone had called in and asked that kind of question. Yeah, how to deal with repairs when it comes but, to creative financing offers. But if we're trying to sell to an owner-occupant, what is too much work? Uh, uh, you know, if it's dated, but it's absolutely livable, it's in good shape, it just hasn't been updated in the last 15 years. That's fine. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if it needs a new roof and uh, the kitchen. And water heater. and <laughs> Now all of a sudden, an owner-occupant may, one, not be handy and be able to do this work themselves, and two, they see that this is going to be a money pit and uh, they, they don't want to keep putting all this money into it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, with an owner occupant, they might not even have the money. I mean, if it's over 10000 then, you know, you probably, unless it's a high, high end home, you probably shouldn't count on your owner occupant uh, covering the repairs on that. Well, but if it's just dated and an owner occupant can move in, and live and over time update a bathroom, put in new carpet, paint the prop, paint the interior. You know, th that's not a big deal. And it's more important to be able to get into a house with the kind of terms that we're able to offer owner occupants than is it exactly, it, these, these buyers aren't always the pickiest. Yeah. You know? You're about to put, you just put a property on the market that you're selling for retail. Those mm -hmm. buyers are picky, right? Because, yeah. oh, well, and maybe not as much now as maybe they have been in the past just because there's not a lot of supply. Uh -huh. So they don't have a lot to choose from. But uh, in a normal market, hey, I don't like your house. I'm just going to go over here. Uh, I, I can either pay cash or I can get financing. I can choose which property I want. Uh, the people that are looking for, terms that we can offer them don't have very many choices uh, and if if they do they they're sporadic right um, it might not be in the area they want to live in it might not be the size it might not be the bedrooms so they're not as picky and uh, so that works to our advantage in terms of some of the repairs that are needed but if it needs too much whether it's for a landlord whether it's even for a rehabber or an owner occupant, it can kill the deal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, awesome. Was that five of them? That was five. Five. Cool. Okay. So you um, want to talk about some quick um, examples? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do, let's just run through, take the next five minutes or something and just run through quick examples. All right. So um, these are all properties that I've dealt with lately. And these were all properties I decided not to make an offer on. And I'll quickly tell you why. So I have a duplex. It was listed uh, on the MLS. Uh, three bed, two bath. So two, one, one, one. Um, they rent for nine ninety total. And the seller owes 55000 on an underlying mortgage. And their payment is $391 principal and interest. Uh, 
the owner pays water sewer garbage. Yep, the taxes are sixteen sixty four. They were asking one hundred and eighteen thousand dollars. Then they were open to terms, um, and the performa rents would probably be instead of like a thousand eleven fifty to twelve hundred. So you could probably raise them one hundred and fifty two hundred dollars a month. Okay, I didn't even take into account any repairs because I don't need to. I, I already know that this is going to be super difficult and I don't really want to waste my time on it. And here's why. I'm going to take those rents just like we always do, Jonathan. And you'll get so used to this, you don't even have to figure all this out. But you know, for our listeners, what, what do we like to do when we're looking at a rental property or a possible rental property? provide cash flow well but work backwards right so oh, yeah look yeah. at what our our, our what it rents for. rents are and you know what our cash flow are. More, yeah how much money do we have to work with right yeah so th these people have some equity uh, they only owe fifty five thousand, and they're trying to get 118 for the property so if we just take a simple calculation we take our 990 we minus our taxes, about $138, minus insurance, I just estimated $40 a month, minus water, sewer, garbage. Again, I just estimated 80 bucks a month. And then I put a $50 a month maintenance. That comes to $682. Mm -hmm. And then we've still got to deal with that underlying debt, right? So we're going to minus that out. So we have $291 left to work with. And um, the, the most that we have to work with is $491 because maybe we can raise the rents. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got to split that up between the seller yeah. and our buyer. Yeah. Uh, Performa-wise, I might be able to make it work if the seller is willing to take little to no cash flow and basically leave all their equity in this property. Because mm -hmm. there's just not much I can offer them. Right. I don't really want to say to my buyer, here, I can offer you a $250 a month cash flow as a performa. Yeah. As is, you're not getting that. Uh, yeah. So we're, we're trying to make offers on, based on as is. Yeah. What could be is the bonus, is the value. But we don't really want to base our offers on, especially when it's so little like this. Um, you know, this isn't going to get us there. Could I make an offer on this? I could. Mm -hmm. It's just not worth my time. Right. Right. It's so thin on every, you know, for the seller, for the buyer, um, it's listed. I don't know how much can I offer as a down payment? Not much, but they're going to have to pay real estate commissions. Yeah. Uh, I just don't see the upside for really anyone involved, including myself. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you will find this a lot on stuff that, you know, if this was free and clear, this would be a different story. We, we could and would absolutely make um, an offer. I'd actually prefer that they owed more than 55 because they've got all this equity and I can't give them anything. Yeah. I'd rather them owe 90. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, around the same payment, uh, that might yeah. be something I could structure. Yeah. So, uh, even though they owe very little, when you're dealing in these low price range type properties and the income isn't a lot, uh, 
if they if this was free and clear and they're willing to take four hundred dollars a month, great. Yep, that'll work. But their payments four hundred dollars a month, and that doesn't even include the taxes and insurance. Right. There's just not a lot of room. Yeah. Okay. Example number two: uh, single family home, uh, twenty five hundred square feet, uh, half an acre, built in nineteen seventy eight. Uh, they owe 186000 um, They are paying $1,100 a month. This was a lease option. So they're in a lease option for the last seven years. Okay, And the, the tenant buyer, who is the one that contacted us, has some health problems and would like to sell his option. He did say he was open to terms, but I don't think he realizes that, you know, that the only way we can structure terms is if we bypass him and go directly to the seller <laughs> yeah. and then offer him a little bit of money to just hand over, you know, to be out of the deal. Yeah. Okay. So he wanted, the seller says that uh, the tenant buyer says the house is worth 210. He wants 200. And then he proceeded to tell me, roof, garage doors, and updating. Okay. This is a cash deal. There, there, there's no creative financing here, even though he thinks that there could be, and you, know, you can just take over my lease option. Uh, it sounds like he's in a pretty poor deal himself, and now he's trying to make some money out of it. Okay. Yeah. Not interested. Uh, and there's, there's not really... An, an offer that I could even think of that would make me interested. So I'm going to move on. Okay? Yeah. That's kind of an unusual one. actually. So, well, even though this seller is pretty motivated, right? Yeah. And, you, know, you keep hearing motivation is kind of key. Yeah. Well, motivation is nice, but not a lot we can do to figure yeah. out how to make some money on this. Right. Right. Okay? One more Good example. Good example. Okay, so we have a single family, five bed, four bath, 2,800 square feet, uh, built in 2004. They owe 200,000. Their payment is 1475 PITI. It's in great condition. They've done some updates, some uh, remodeling. They're asking 378.9, and it's a listed property. Here's the reason why I don't want to make an offer on this. So we, we ran some comps and this is the highest priced property in the area, even around new builds. And uh, even there was one new build where the basement was finished and it was still priced less than this property. Yeah. This person said they are open to terms. So I could actually make them an offer, but what I do know is that they want to take the equity from this property and put right. it into another property. Yeah. Yeah. So one, I've got to get them down on their price. Price is too high. Mm -hmm. and, um, they have almost 180,000 or whatever equity we decide the value is truly on this property, mm -hmm. but they've got a sizable amount and they're going to want whether they get all of it or, they're going to want a big chunk of it. Yeah, a significant that, amount, yeah. So, but we have a lot of things going against us right now. Now, if this was in an area where I just love, I'd probably throw out an offer and just see what happens. 
at the very worst, maybe I'm the backup kind of situation. And uh, maybe I can even help them find a property in the area that they were looking in on terms. That way, you know, they get some money, they put down that money, and you know, maybe we can make it work. But I already like know there's, work, what's that? So that sounds like a lot of work. It does sound like a lot of work. So um, that's why I'm just not, I, I already got to overcome the price. I've got to overcome the equity, um, the down payment. Mm-hmm. And I I just don't see where this would go. Um, yeah. Yeah. Could I make an offer? Certainly. I, I could come up with several offers. and But I can't do a subordination. They owe too much. Right. Uh, my wraps are probably not going to work because we're probably going to be around twenty thousand dollars down, maybe even a little less. You know, somewhere in the fifteen to twenty-five thousand dollar range, and I got to get the price down. Yeah, uh, because the price is too high. Yeah, yeah. Too many things to overcome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's uh, that's a pretty typical lead. Um, I know I've gotten a lot of those in the past where someone's building a house or they're uh, most common that they're building a house. Right. And so they, they know that they need to sell their house in six months, eight months, a year, whatever. And they're open to terms right now. Um, but they, they need too much and they have to take all of that equity and roll it into the other one. So. Well, and there, there is another option, uh, but we won't discuss it, but you know, I'll make a note that we'll talk about like, this is like my last resort option. And uh, it wouldn't really work for this property, but if this property were free and clear or had a very small mortgage on it, it could work. And I've had people do it. And so I'll, I'll make sure that we talk about this at another on another episode. But this isn't what I want Really what it comes down to, in my opinion, in terms of do you do you write offers on these leads or do you let them go? And really what it comes down to is do you have enough leads? Yeah. Because if you don't have any leads, then now you're probably thinking I probably should try to make something. But I would tell you that you don't have a deal problem. You have a lead problem. Yeah. That is that. What the goal should be is that if you're generating enough leads, and you should be, because uh, if you're looking at using creative financing, I mean, there are leads in your market on for sale by owner, on for rent, on every other list, distress list, what whatever. It doesn't really matter. You can find leads everywhere. Yeah. But they're not all good leads. And what I would tell you is that I would deal with the good ones first and uh, whether you get back to any of these is up to you. I'm not going to, uh, uh, it's not worth my time. I, I'm almost afraid someone will say, yes, I don't really want these properties. <laughs> yeah. It's just too difficult. Yeah. To, yeah. to make work. Yeah, yep. for sure. Well, cool. Um, I will try to list all five of those deal killers uh, in the, show notes. Um, so we'll go back and get those, but yeah, I love that, Jeff. That's, um, and a lot of these, I mean, that just through a quick evaluation, um, you can, you can quickly weed these properties out or these leads out. So you're not wasting your time, which you do, Jeff, like you said. Well, and remember, go back to last episode too, and listen to 
quickly how to evaluate deals and at least in your mind hey who would be my potential buyer um you know is it a rehabber is it a landlord is it an owner occupant and uh you know if it doesn't fit any of those people yeah that you're wasting time yeah for sure cool all right guys well i hope you have enjoyed that episode. Um, if you want to reach us, you can uh, go to our website, the creative financing podcast.com. That's where all of our episodes are. We're on Facebook at the creative financing podcast. Um, we also have a YouTube channel that I uh, haven't been uh, the best at updating content, but um, we're really, we're not a video based platform yet, I guess, or, or show, but we're getting there. Uh, anyway, uh, or we have a hotline if you want to uh, contact us directly um, with a question or a comment. Um, and also if you're out there doing creative financing deals, we want to hear from you. We want to know what you're doing out there. And especially if you've been a listener for some time now, uh, how you've used the education that we teach on this podcast to do that. Um, we also have a free video um, start to finish on uh, how to how to create some uh, financing, uh, some creative financing that Jeff walks you through step by step. And uh, he, he even tells you um, his exit strategy and how he made money on that deal. Uh, if you want that, all you have to do is just text uh, creative financing to our hotline number. Um, that is 877-409-8090. Again, 877-409-8090. Just text the words creative financing um, to that and it'll send you the link for that video. Um, Aside from that, uh, we appreciate you guys and uh, keep listening. Any last words, Jeff? Always looking for people to work with all across the country. We have two different apprentice programs. Uh, Just call the hotline if you have some interest and I will call you back and tell you a little more about them. See if it's a good fit. Awesome. Okay, guys. Till next time, create some terms. Thanks for listening to the Creative Financing Podcast. We need your feedback to continue to bring you the best strategies in creative financing. So please subscribe, rate, and review this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We greatly appreciate your ear and please pass this on. Until next time, create some terms. This show offers general information on creative financing strategies and real estate investments. Nothing contained herein should be considered personal, legal, or financial advice. Every state has individual laws governing the use and type of documents used to execute strategies discussed herein. You should consult with a local licensed real estate broker and attorney before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed, and opinions of the guests are their own. Profits are not guaranteed, and there's always inherent risk in real estate investing.